everybody and welcome to the chat room, the Neon Streets Game Talk podcast. I'm Ben Rollins, I'm the Game Master, and I'm joined today by Lisa Harko, who plays Dizzy Innes, and Craig Cole. Are we not doing the voices? Well, that's actually interesting because I realized that <laughs> every episode when Ben introduces me, I say, like, Dizzy Innes. Because we're like, getting into character. But it's, I don't say it in the voice that I do Dizzy Innes in, so I don't know what it that's is fair. that I'm doing. Can we get a side-by-side of the two ways that you typically would say Dizzy Innes? Uh, Dizzy in this. Yeah, like you'd say. That's like, Hadrian, right? That's like a Hadrian. <laughs> that's, that's a little thing. Hadrian, yeah. I was just kind of saying, yeah, like Dizzy in this, but like that's not what. Like, <laughs> that's not what I've heard you say it like that. Voice is like. And then how do you say it in character? Like, uh, Dizzy in this. It's really right. taking a sharp dive. I guess it's like. Know. I feel like Dizzy says his name way less often than Tess does. I don't know. He calls Just himself the Diz Man a lot. Yeah, that's the Diz Man. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, that's the Diz Man. But yeah, you're right that you have to say. Lots of people know Dizzy already. Yeah, everyone knows you, and you also have to correct Dizzy every time he says. Yeah. Snake Plus these days. Hey, let's uh, that that's a great place to start off. Great jumping off. Are point. you Test? Are you Snake Plus? Uh, can we get some clarification here? Oh boy, um, I definitely, uh, I definitely am leaning more towards. Uh, Test for the sole reason that Snake Plus was like very heat of the moment. Like, Test thought he was getting the name or something. Like, he thought it was like this is his big thing. He kind of like latched onto it as almost like a superhero name. But then, like, when everything crumbled and fell apart, it was definitely like, uh, oh man, like this is just kind of a joke. Like, what am I doing? Like, had that in, inner revelation of like, what am I doing, man? I'm not, I'm no Snake Plus. I'm no superhero. Like, I'm gonna get a name. I gotta get a real name. Like, this is, I can't just make stuff up, you know, and like go with it. And, uh, for 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 Tess to just latch on permanently to that name would have almost just been like sort of like meta comedy in a lot of ways, where it's like not a real. I mean, I guess it is kind of cyberpunk name though, if in some ways, like as a code name and stuff. But I I I, I really like the idea of Tess actually discovering his real name, and I think that's something I want to get to, where it's like he gets his his actual name name, and then that just that's the one that sticks eventually. So are we gonna get a reckoning moment? Do you think where we really? settle it once and for all if it's snake plus or test because i mean thus far in the uh beat machines mayhem arc mm-hmm. we've really been going back and forth uh dizzy's been calling him snake plus test is uh saying i'm test it's kind of this whole thing we're not really uh we're not really reaching a conclusion on that you know are we gonna have a moment where we really find out who you are i yeah, i'm not sure i guess it's like i gotta decide whether or not test dislikes the name to the point where he really wants to tell Dizzy like yo like stop calling me that you know this is I don't I don't know I don't know if I I don't know from there yet because I gotta say it's one of my things listening to actual play podcasts is that you have a lot of interesting interactions between the PCs often but you don't have those sort of like uh, those those moments where things turn necessarily you know what I mean you kind of have like a bit of a waffling between like oh I'm Snake Plus I'm Tess I'm Snake Plus I'm Tess and I mean that could go on indefinitely and I think that would be very unsatisfying. I feel like you need that moment where it's like, okay, like this is me, and everyone gets on the same page. Right. Other thing. Exactly. That's interesting to hear. I'll say that because, mm. like, I think something totally different about the name Snake Plus. What? What is? What, like, you out of character or Dizzy thinks something totally different? Um, I or guess both. both because, okay. like, what I think obviously informs whatever Dizzy is Fair thinking enough. about. You know, but it's like I, I don't want to get 
too much into it without getting into like spoilery territory, but mm. I just feel like it's the way that I'm thinking about it is not like this waffling thing sort of where it's like, it's your superhero name. I have like a totally different like sort of opinion of it. So it's just, it's just, I'm just saying it's interesting to hear that like that is how you have been thinking about it this whole time. It's like and nickname that, is friends. That's, I well, think that is how Tess kind of, I know out of character, that's not necessarily what it is, but that's how Tess is kind of perceiving it. Yeah. Like and then homie nicknames to know that I've been seeing it this whole time and I've been thinking of it one way and you've been thinking of it a, a different way is, is just interesting to me. Uh, can we, can we not hear how you've been thinking about it? Is it too spoilery? Cause well, I, I have no idea. We have no idea. I just mean like, to me, it's like, the last sort of like vestige that Magulio bestowed upon mm. Test or Snake Plus, it's like I like gave you this thing. It's like a, it was like a gift from Magulio. But Magulio like, didn't really do it. It was between you, Dizzy, and Test that was, we, we landed on it, right? No, it was Magulio, kind of. Yeah, it was like Magulio said Snake Plus. I, I'm, I'm pretty. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that Test says Snake. I said it no, first. No, no, no. Magulio said someone snake said plus. that's S plus, and then I said like Snake Plus. I don't think so. I uh, will we'll put well, money even, on the fact even, that that is how it went down. Even if you did say it first, Magulio legitimized it. You know, like you said it as a joke, and then Magulio was like, "Yeah, fuck yes." Yeah, I feel like fair enough. I feel fair like to me, it was a Magulio was thing. Like, okay, but this this brings me to another uh, very related question: is like, okay, so if that's how you've been thinking about Snake Plus, and it's some sort of like Magulio thing, like what's up with the disrespect? Yeah, how can you honor Magulio in in calling Test Snake Plus, but then disrespect Magulio very uh, is it perhaps <laughs> very outwardly? Is it perhaps that Dizzy is putting up a front and he's not actually as tough and and mean as he seems? I mean, that's perhaps <laughs> that's maybe the easy answer. Is that what you wanted to be? I don't think that uh, Dizzy's like a total. You got emotions, Dizzy, you idiot, <laughs> you stupid idiot. I think it's more about like. You ever gonna be nice to test, huh? You ever gonna be nice? I don't know. Stop being a fucking idiot. Maybe I'll be nice to you then. <laughs> Not my fault. Yeah, Not fair. my fault. You keep shedding your skin and being nude around children or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean that's fair. I, I, I if that's um. I guess like test, even even with that same mentality, test still kind of like wants to steer away from it because like it's like no, I don't deserve that from Magulio if I let her die type mm -hmm. thing, you know. And I, I would also say it's not so much about respecting the wishes of Magulio. It's like the very minor thing that Dizzy is doing that thinks that he's like building mm. up test. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not about respecting Magulio. And I, I think that it's not that he disrespects Magulio necessarily. It's just that he's he's just accustomed to like leaving people and things behind. Like when something okay. falls okay. off, it's just like you have to just you gotta pull off the band-aid basically. You can't get all sentimental and tied down with thinking like, oh, we got we messed up and we lost Magulio back there. So, so oh, Magulio's gone that, now. But that poses the question. If you're like you're building up tests, does Dizzy have some you know plan for tests? Do you have something that you like you want tests to be? Sounds, I don't think, it sounds I don't like think the way you're talking is kind of like you have a vision of what tests is supposed to be as Dizzy. I don't. Perhaps? I don't think. I don't think that it's necessarily that is a plan. It's just that like that's how he sees tests, and it's like sort of um, like an an unspoken way that he sort of like. Like, he respects him without realizing it almost. Mm. You know what I mean? And, like, he's just sort of, like, implicitly, like, defaulting to Snake Plus because he's, like... 
that's just like how he sees him. But and then on the flip side, obviously he like overtly disrespects him because he doesn't fucking understand things. Mm. I got a question. I've never asked you this, but um, oh. are there any like uh, are there any characters? I know, I know like when you built the character, there were characters that you drew on as for your like, character design. But like when you're playing it, has, has do you like do you like draw on any anybody in particular from inspiration when you're uh, doing your dizzy? When I'm doing my dizzy. Dizzing it up. I mean, like, the, uh, obviously the ins- the original inspiration was just like Case mm. from Neuromancer. Yeah, I mean, and and like that sounds like trite because it's like the easiest example of like a uh, cyberpunk character, but like that's why I like it because it's not like it's not hard to understand. It's like a very clear cut example of a character. I b- like I b- it's a good like, template to but follow. But the way that like I don't think. Case and Dizzy interact with people in the same way. No. And like, there's probably a lot of characters, if I really thought about it, that more inform the way Dizzy acts, but I'd have to really think about it in terms of like, like the way that he like pushes people away. You know, I, I, I'd have to think about it. I, I like that. I definitely, yes, but like to pinpoint something. Yeah. It's definitely like a trope that the kind of yeah, the yeah. the guy who's trying to like not deal with his emotions. He's kind of well, a little bit wild cardy kind of thing. But yeah, I agree. I, nothing really comes right to mind. Interestingly, I would say you know having just read Neuromancer again, mm-hmm. uh, I thought Case was like the most bland character on the reread that I've ever ever encountered. Yeah, Case is defined by the people around him and, and like the things that are going on around him. And, it, I and think the things we, that I think we're talking about the, the things that he does and the things yeah. that he has done, which I think we were talking yeah. about the other day, like his past is such a a critical part of him, which is probably a part of Dizzy that's true. Although I think Dizzy's more defined by yeah, things yeah. that he's doing. But originally it was by his past and like his legacy. But yeah, he's got very little kind of personality in his own right. It's sort of just like his person or his character is developed through like flashbacks and through just like, you know, being a cool decker rather than sort of any uh what he does or how he interacts yeah yeah how he interacts i guess somebody like molly is like so much more like you 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 ought to you just like you just know molly like her character is so much more fleshed out it's so much more like tangible in a way like case is not like that in the same way which i mean uh, maybe it works in the romancer's favor in some ways you know kind of the every man character or something like that but it's weird because like case is not an every man He's he's something else. Anyway, but, but that's just a, that's a, just does that though too, where it's like things are not fleshed out and you're kind of just left with it. Yeah. So bit of a tangent, but uh, if you haven't read Neuromancer, uh, it's worth a read. It's interesting. Quintessential reading, perhaps. Genre defining reading, absolutely. One thing I always find interesting about Dizzy and like the difference between him and uh, him and Tess is that uh, Dizzy is is very clearly like just in the way that he behaves like more acquainted with the world that we live in than test is in so many ways like where test is like just latching onto things like oh like brief friendships and like all these things like these new people he's meeting they become extremely important to him which is cute which is cute but it's also just from like the naivete of like and then what dizzy what what lee what, what lee was just talking about is like how when Magulio dies and stuff, like he's comfortable, his character's comfortable poking fun almost in a really realistic sense, like not just for comedy because 
Um, you know, he's seen people die before. He's probably been, you know, this is something that happens all the time. Like might, the have, corpse had, might have had friends die before. Pinched by the corp, man. People yeah. get pinched by the corp all the time. That's why when uh, Stacy Grezzo gets nabbed up, he's not all freaking out. He doesn't want it to happen, but at the same time, he moved on real quick. This is just That's all life. par for the course. It's the life they lead. Yeah. So, yeah, when it, when it came to Magulio, I mean, uh, and you tell me, but like, it's kind of like the first real relationship besides... Uh, test and uh, Mr. D like well, the, relationship the history test there had. too like the history of like right. them knowing each other well but, technically yeah. but you had like one relationship you know between Test and Mr. DNA and maybe like another one between like Test and uh, Clementine Espinosa yeah but uh, besides that like Magulio was the first sort of like like bond you had and then she gets killed and then Dizzy's kind of a dick about it yeah 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 it was horrible I mean that's like obviously that's gonna make Test upset <laughs> But it's also at the same time, it's like when Dizzy is the only guy that Test really has for meta reasons and in-game reasons. Like he's the, he's the partner. So it's like there are, there are a lot of meta reasons to have Test and Dizzy for sure. Be but let's be real. Like if if Test just did say like you know f it, I'm going off my own. I'm going out into this world. He wouldn't last a day, man. Like even even with all the stuff he can do, it's like he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know who to connect with. He's got literally zero connections. He's got no one to lean on. And he's like, I mean, he could go. I guess we got test probably has the option to go post up with Tyr and Glenn, but I'll be like that annoying. Uh, Maybe, but I mean, Glenn's in shambles right yeah, now. Exactly. And I mean, honestly, they've got a lot of stuff to work through now. Test clearly feels as though he needs Dizzy, but it's like he he constantly isn't getting what he wants from Dizzy in the sense that like he wants and it's just from his naive day of like the world and stuff that he wants something different. From so him. where where did Test and Dizzy stand? So like just kind of like maybe a brief recap. Like you guys uh um you started off kind of you know as a bit of an odd couple thrown together. Right. You guys throw on a mission, you do your thing. I think uh you guys sort of got along all right. You had a bit of a uh, an emotional moment when uh Inside a genetic corp, when when Dizzy says to Test that he's you know he's just a stupid lizard man, he doesn't understand human mm. emotions or something like that. Dizzy apologizes, mm-hmm. and it's sort of a, a nice like making up. But then you know after that we sort of have a, we have another f- couple moments where like Dizzy is is very uh, uh, not sensitive to uh, Test's feelings, especially about Magulio, culminating in the moment in the latest episode where. Uh, Dizzy <laughs> the test, in front of everyone. The test killed Magulio in front of everyone, and like blames <laughs> and blames Test for Magulio's death, and and Test gets uh, I would say uh, rightfully really upset. So I, I guess my question <laughs> my question is is like where where do you guys feel like the relationship stands? Like can you, you guys have only known each other for about a week? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in my defense about the thing about Mag- <laughs> saying Test killed Magulio. I just thought it was just it was, that was honestly like just a reflex because I thought it was funny in the it moment was, to say hey, if it was natural, it's natural. Like but that's what Dizzy would do. So yeah, it's it, totally fair. That's true. It is also what Dizzy would do. But I think the thing with those things and like the thing in Genetic Corp where he then apologized and like I think that I understood Dizzy better at that time as well as that he's just sort of like saying the thing he needs to say to get to the next screen a lot of the time. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. just like... Altered carbon reference. He's just got to like, yeah, like get the right combination of words or actions <laughs> or whatever to get like the thing he needs out of a situation or whatever. So what was the thing you needed out of that situation? Just to like continue the partnership or something or which which situation? 
the most one where recent you, one. The one where you tell Tess that he killed Magulio was all his fault. How does that? How does? How does that serve your purposes? Well, that, that, well, that right, that's somewhat denial, right? Isn't that partially like denial? Like you were like you were like over exaggerating your lack of responsibility for the situation mm-hmm. in an earlier scene where you're talking about how it was this person's fault a little bit and yeah. it was this person's fault a little bit. It was also your fault a little bit, but not the whole thing. Like, don't feel too bad about it because there's all these other people yeah. like, never mentioning yourself. So it's obviously like there's some sort of denial there. Yeah, where it's like you don't want to take responsibility for it. He's protecting himself for, yeah, sure. for sure. That's like a huge component of it. And then, yeah, yeah just like... And there's just a continuation of that. Is that that's like at least what I felt when, when it came up. It was like, it, it was very natural and in Dizzy character, but I felt it was just a continuation of like... Don't look at me about Magulio's death. This yeah. guy right here is the murderer. Yeah, probably a lot of other people are responsible, but not me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like that's Classic. that's you know informed by his past and stuff like that. Like leaving that many people behind as yeah. it were and stuff like that. I mean, people in general have trouble taking responsibility for their actions. So I feel like like Dizzy not wanting to take responsibility for Magulio's death is like to me is a very believable thing. You yeah. know, you, you're gonna do a lot of uh, a lot of things to avoid. Uh, facing the reality of like like what you did like Magulio yeah. was there because Dizzy needed Magulio's help at least Magulio, in part at least part yeah. you know? Magulio, it wasn't like, like solely Dizzy Magulio either. had yeah. her own reasons to go into the lab but like but if we're looking at it objectively we lured her in and she was yeah. in a sense she wouldn't have gone in uh, without yeah. knowing yeah. that yeah. and like yeah it definitely, I wouldn't say it was Tess' fault, like you said. You know what I mean? No. Well, no, it's I don't like, think Lee believes that it's Tess' no, fault. No, no, it's I know, Dizzy I know, that, I know, and I don't yeah. think Dizzy does either. Yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like yeah. Dizzy is like convincing himself of that, and it's. Well, it partially, I mean, part of it too is that that Tess is like not entirely capable of like making the best argument for himself too. Like he's like. I mean, that's part of the, where the riddled with guilt aspect came from is that he's like, I don't like, he's like, is it my fault? You know, he hears that. And it's like, well, maybe it is. You're right. Maybe it is. Maybe it's all my fault. Maybe everything. And that's like, he constantly burdens that in a way that he would hope Dizzy, you know, can at least sympathize with. But instead, I mean, that, and then that moment, like the reason it was so rough for Tess is just, there's no ever, there's never sympathy. So and that was a, a good moment between Tess and Tear, which was kind of like did change the way it played out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like Tess did want to leave just being like, I mean, whatever, I guess, you know, just like he's like, fuck Dizzy, whatever. Like, this is bullshit. One thing I'll say as well is I don't think that Dizzy's just like straight up sociopath. Mm -mm. I don't think that he's just like, like I know I said that thing about getting to the next screen, but I don't think that he's like literally just like sociopath. Great author carbon reference. No, yeah, it's, it's good. Good reference for sure. <laughs> Everybody says my references are. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows you have the best references. Yeah, I have the best reference. <laughs> <laughs> the, best, the best part of the whole movie, man. <laughs> but like, I think that, um, <laughs> like, I think that there's a part of, like dizzy. There's something that like he doesn't like know how to do things the right way. Mm. You know, and that's sort he's, of he's evident, faking it. Evi- he is faking it evi- a lot, for sure. By the way, that he dealt with tear at the end of episode fourteen and stuff. Like he's trying to do the right thing, but he doesn't really understand the right thing mm. because he has never really done it like explicitly well. For sure, but you've like, been faking it the whole time. Like, like he's yeah. in a sociopath. No, right? and we kind of get the the impression, at least like it's my impression that like Dizzy is is more or less a good guy, and I think that's shown like through the fact that. He has a lot of people that, you know, 
respect him, I guess, that we've met. You know, like Rimby Pimby. He has a legacy built yeah. up for sure. It's not it's not just a professional legacy. You know what I mean? These people have worked with, with Dizzy. It's interpersonal legacies. Like people respect him and trust him. Like Dizzy um, didn't double cross all those people. No. Know? I mean Grezel paid for it. <laughs> but uh and Dizzy didn't seem to mind that, too well, much. Well not well, yet. That, well, who well, knows? Who still, knows? That's you know? still kinda ongoing, honestly. Because yeah. we left Grezzo's and then found out about the abduction. It's been kinda like one yeah. big And you know what? And that's one of the things about uh these sort of stories, these RPGs, is that you, you can open up a lot of uh different kind of storylines that are difficult to uh to keep a hold of because we're mm-hmm. we're working on kind of a main story and we've got Grezzo, we got the the uh, test subjects in the sewer, you know, we've got... I can't wait to go back to the test <laughs> yeah. subjects. Oh, sewer. yeah. <laughs> we've got sort of the main line of, like, the genetic corp stuff. We've got this uh, this n- plot, uh, this new arc, I guess, with, with Dizzy wanting to fix his brain, you know what I mean? There's a lot of different strands that are not always able to be dealt with all at the same time, so you kind of got to... You got to kind of take them one by one. So well, hopefully we'll find out more about Grezzo at some point, just like we'll find out more about the test subjects and all that. It's also not like a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like a movie where there's, it's the one genetic corp story yeah. where it's like test and dizzy do this thing and then like get back in genetic corp. It's not like that. It's like a much longer form of narrative, right? For where sure. it's like, there's tangents and More like, like a some things matter. Series of novels. <laughs> series of novels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I personally think about it like a uh, like a, a game that we come in, we play at a table uh, every week. On top of the table, in fact. And and we play roles. Yeah. Uh, a playing a game of roles. Yeah. Sort of how I like to think. In fact, if we were to coin a term for it, it'd be I would call game it of role playing, crazy <laughs> fun <laughs> acting game. But it's actually not yeah. that much fun. It's very stressful, and we don't have a good time. <laughs> yeah, we hate yeah. it. Lee literally I does guess, not eat for days before we record. I guess to wrap up, He's skin and bones. You, you wouldn't know it to see me. <laughs> <laughs> Go, <a> little tummy. <laughs> to wrap up, where Dizzy and Tess' relationship is at, I think like because Tess. I mean, Tess doesn't fully have the capability of understanding like what Dizzy's internal problems are and stuff, and like why he would react that way. He kind of only knows like why he, like why Tess reacts the way that he does in terms of like, hey, I want to have friends, I want to do this stuff, I want to like, you know, live a life that I missed out on all this stuff. And he doesn't really understand like why Dizzy might want to push him away or like do all this stuff. But I think like Tear did add some uh, insight for Tess a little bit to be like you know, dial back like the instant reaction to be like, you know, F you, I'm done. Yeah. Kind of reaction. Right. That he I, think, has. I think that was great DMing yeah. because I personally, after saying that stuff, I was like, Oh fuck. Like <laughs> what, what do we do now? What do we say to get out of this? Yeah. That was that, you know, that was a stroke of, do you guys want to peek behind the screen? Is that allowed? Is that allowed? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to throw no, it out there. I, I, but no, I, that, was, that was actually a scene that I had planned, uh, or at least I thought about. I mean, the plans are always... Uh, fluid. Fluid, fair. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. Um, but that was a scene I thought about because I was thinking about, you know, how do we get Test engaged in this, in this arc to, to, to get Dizzy his, uh, his brain fixed the brain fixing arc yeah. and that's you know that's a constant struggle sort of where this campaign i would say is that we have one character that's very engaged in the world and we have one character that's very not engaged in the world he's completely new to the world so i have one character that has you know sort of some obvious uh jumping off points for mm-hmm. storylines and we have one character that's a little bit uh 
different. You know what I mean? Like test storylines are a little bit, uh, I don't know, they're like a, a little bit less obvious, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Like I can see them forming now, especially with like the test subjects in the sewer. Yes. Well, that, and obviously the main storyline is very focused on test as well. But uh, as far as like kind of the side stuff, it's like very dizzy focused just because dizzy is the guy. He's the one who's been involved with the world. Yeah. That, that kind of goes, go. goes back to what I was saying about how like I intentionally kind of made him to be like a, like a very archetypical character. You know what I mean? He's not like, like a lizard man test subject is like a more sort of like interesting character and in, or a more novel character mm-hmm. at least. Whereas like Dizzy's like not an original character by any means, but that makes it easy to be like a jumping off point for like yeah. some things. Well, I, I really liked how it ended up working out that we, uh, we more than we even, I think predicted like naturally need each other too. Yes. Like, like what I was saying is like Tess couldn't possibly exist in this, this world without someone who understands what's going on and knows people and all this uh, has all these connections and dizzy the situation where he's constantly running into trouble and getting into fights and can't even fucking hit like a, a beat like yeah. a, you know like a non-moving object <laughs> so <laughs> so it's like he needs like the muscles so like we actually do even though it's a very simplistic like like symbiotic relationship it still like works out really well in that yeah. sense where we we can rely on each other for these things and it, it the, makes it interesting the impression i get uh, with a Dizzy and Tess relationship is like, is like Dizzy is at a point in his life and I guess, you know, was at a point in his life before he was frozen where he was, I don't know, like kind of a, a, like a really loose cannon. Like he's self-destructive, mm. not taking care of himself and he really needs someone to look after him or else he's definitely going to get himself killed. Yeah, a lot and of gun, going in guns blazing happening yeah, with I, people that are better at guns blazing. And like, I think <laughs> much, it, much better. Yeah. I think yeah, he's he, terrible. He's terrible at blazing guns. He's not good at it, but he's enthusiastic. <laughs> you know, that's all that matters. He's got that cool. I think that yeah. I think that you and I at one point talked about like what the possible reasons for Dizzy even doing the sketchy job that he got put into cryo into in the first place was, and like just self destructive. Well, we kind of talked about. I don't want to spill too much about what that may have been. Keep the beans in the can. Keep the beans a little bit. You know, the cat in the bag. Yeah. The beans. In the can yeah. or on the stock, possibly even I don't know. <laughs> I think they're in a pod. Uh, yeah, on a beans. stock. In a pod or in a pot. Beanstalk. Uh, that's a beanstalk. That's Cook true. Up. I think the bean pods grow on the beanstalk. Yeah. If I had to, if I had to, <laughs> if I had to. But there's uh, what I, all say. I'm saying. All I'm saying is there's something more about like why Dizzy did the things he did in the first place, you know, and like. Yeah that sort of informs the way that the relationship with Tess will move forward, I think. And hopefully we'll find out more about that in the future. I hope so. Being as we're done a, uh, a new arc. An old arc. And this was this, this is relevant because well, it is an old arc now at this point. We're yeah. done an old arc. We're but starting yeah, a new arc. I, okay, yes, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 Ooh! I, this is something you brought up. This is something you brought what up. What is the poignant point that you're trying to address? Well, this is something that Ben, you brought up earlier is, and for us to consider is what is like the ultimate goal for our characters moving forward. And like, what is it going to oh, be? Well, last time, last time we talked, yeah, I was talking about character arcs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And what I think that's a great thing. What are the ultimate things that we're going to move on to? I don't know. And you know what? I just want to say, you know, to the, the folks at home, I think this is a really cool thing to think about when you're playing RPGs is like you have, you have plot arcs, right? 
We also have character arcs. What's it's the like, end game? You know, yeah, what's like, the big end well, like, game? like what, what, what's your character moving towards that's, that's different than the plot? You know, what kind of revelations? What kind of realizations? What kind of transformations? A variety of Asians. I recognize they're Tons all Asians. Asians. It's a really, it's a cool, <laughs> it's a cool thing to think about when you're playing RPGs. It's like, it's like the plot and the character are not synonymous, and you can have, uh, you know, character changes uh, that that you know transcend arcs. And uh, it's, it's a cool thing to think about. So yeah, uh, let's let's talk about that. Do you want do you want to start, uh, Lee? I well, firstly, I'll just say that I think that is an interesting thing about fate is that it kind of emphasizes that and it like lends itself well to that. With Whereas, the like, uh, the aspects, you can change your I, aspects. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I love that, that it plays into it. That's and that's not necessarily not in other RPGs, but I don't think that like I as a player of Pathfinder or as a player of like Five yeah. E or whatever, I don't think that I ever emphasized those things. I would agree, I, and I think that if I was to play those now. Even mm. though I am playing a 5e campaign as well now, and I'm not doing it, but like if I was, I, I would want to bring that's the thing I would most want to take out of fate and put into other games because it's it's sort of system agnostic, but like fate brings it out of you kind of because it's not yeah. so crunchy. It's really it? easy to lose it in the other city. Like we played, we've been playing Pathfinder for like that's what we started on for years. That's how we met each other is through playing Pathfinder. And like we never had the level of character depth in any of those games. And it's, it's not like it's technically it's our fault for not. You know, doing things properly, but the way I that take, fate, I fate take no responsibility. Fate, <laughs> fate encourages it. Fate. Ben, ben was a player in the Pathfinder campaign <laughs> at that point, and yeah, uh, you know what? Was John crazy. Can I, he can I just the, say the worst character? He's a great DM, and he makes terrible Piece of shit. John the rogue, the rogue swordsman who doesn't want to work with anybody yeah. and only wants to go <laughs> off on his own with his own interests. That was my first character. My second character <laughs> was my second character was an investigator who didn't want to work with anybody and went off on his own. Regardless. Regardless, okay, can I say that I want to just say that no, you when can't. we played the last Pathfinder <laughs> campaign, yeah. I actually instituted the uh, the fate character aspects as mm. an attempt to sort of yeah, uh, I deepen that. the game. That's all I want to say. I recall that. Like in and, my, and my third character, Bonson, was a, a, a cute little sick. gnome uh, yeah, who, who tried to naive, uh, very uh, correct you know, the powers of life and death in, in the universe. He's he very naive, but a very uh, 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 good-hearted gnome. The point Bonsen. being, Bonsen the gnome. Until we, until we played Fate. <laughs> until we played I'm not Fate. a good DM is the moral of the story. <laughs> no, you're fine, man. But I think what? A, Why do you think that's the moral of the yeah, story? Yeah, how is that the moral of the story? Like like, there was no one's talking after, about that. After... <laughs> Okay, guys. Yeah, I understand. Uh, bon- Bonson, Bonson, the gnome came up, and then like two sessions later, that campaign was done forever because mm. that mansion was so dull. It we, was, spent, it was like we spent we spent a literal chronological year of our lives. If we were better as player host. characters, we would have been fine. <laughs> Regardless, the point being, fate does encourage the role play like to integrate with the game and make it way more fun, like make role play actually rewarding, which is like, I think it's, it's, it's really easy for that to get lost yeah. in the, in, uh, in a lot of their games. Anyways, and back I'm, on I'm track co- of I'm ultimate goals. I'll just say I'm conflicted in a way because like a part of me, I do really love like crunchy. Like mm. I love Pathfinder for being like so crunchy and like, yeah. so like obtuse in a mm. way. I love that about it. But like, 
to like mesh those two things together is really satisfying as well. Well, you need a group that, that understands both sides of yeah, it too. Cause I, I haven't, I haven't found lost, that because when right? people are building a character in Pathfinder, they always have to keep in, in mind that it's going to be a rocket tag. You have to hit certain AC. You have to, you have to For hit sure. certain, like you have to hit certain modifiers to your role. Is that a halo reference? Uses. Rocket tag. I'm not sure. I just know rocket tag is, as, as to mean like, like the enemies are going to accelerate at such an exponential pace that your characters also have to accelerate. Oh, at such okay. an exponential that must be different. Pace. I remember playing Halo Three. There's a like a mode called Rocket Tag where you you ride around on mongooses, like little ATVs. Oh, I remember. Guy that on the there. front drives. Guy on the back has Might a rocket. Might be referencing the thing sick. that he's referencing. Actually, though. super could, sick. It, that Maybe. could be referencing. Back on track of the ultimate goals. Where were you going with that in the first place? My ultimate was goal. was I going somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was no. the question? Wait, the the question was, what is your character arc essentially? Yeah, what are the ultimate goals? But I mean, of your I mean, th- I want to just, I want to intervene, interject, inter. You had it right. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna intercorrelate, intersplice right now. You know, I wanna let's open up a discourse. I wanna intermind here. you a let's little have bit. A, let's have an intercourse. I wanna let's, let's have some intercourse. Yeah. And my intercourse is that I don't want to know the end of your character arcs, obviously that's spoiler territory, mm-hmm. but I love the idea that people are thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think in the last plot arc or last two arcs we had, we had some kind of little character arcs. I'm not sure they're fully resolved yet, but we had, you know, test subject 405 G as the, with this kind of a superhero character arc. Mm. And I, I guess it was kind of resolved when you, when you gave the comic book back to Graham Michael Smith and you're kind of like, I'm not a superhero after all. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, and that's not fully what was going I on. Like he gave it back. He gave it back. He gave it back to Grant Mega Smith, realizing it's not what a superhero would do. He wouldn't beat up a fucking like security guard at a hotel and then take his comic book and be like, Deadpool you know, would. You know, that's a superhero. Well, de- well, okay, fine, fine. Kind of. Regardless, it's like it's like like test did come to the realization that like that act alone was very not altruistic and not. Superhero, fair, fair, but I would say that then you have to be thinking about you know what is the end of the arcs, and I guess what my my point that I'm coming back to is like in RPGs, like stories, I think it's satisfying to have you know very clear arcs with clear beginnings and clear endings, and I think sometimes that gets lost, you know, it gets Mm. lost in sort of the uh, just the 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 dynamism of RPGs. Is that a wordly dynamism? Yeah, yeah, sick. That's so sick. Don't ask me to define well, it though. I actually but you know, it's like, but there's so many there's so many moving parts. There's so much going on that it's, it's easy to get lost. But I, I think that having these kind of clear beginnings and endings of arcs, plot arcs, and character arcs, I think is really cool. And I think the the actual plays I've listened to can sometimes uh, just forget about kind of character arcs. Like sometimes they have these great moments, and I think they're the most satisfying when you have a character that kind of has for sure a point where they're like, oh yeah, like this is this is a a new thing for me. This is a new arc for me, or this is the end of an old arc and it's a beginning a new of a new realization one. or something. And there's beautiful moments. I think everyone can think of those things in actual plays, and I think that or, or that uh, I think that PCs can benefit from thinking about those kind of uh, sure. explicitly, like yeah. thinking about like, where am I going? What do I want to do with my character? Well, and uh, I'm really curious, like what Dizzy, I mean, if Dizzy has that, because he did come out of cryo after five years and is like, you're in a weird, like your character is in a kind of weird spot right now. It's yeah. like you come out of cryo and that crazy stuff is happening. You mean, like a, a moment to stop, like where were you at when you went into cryo? And like, what was your plan then? Yeah, Because that would be the same plan as now, technically, right? That, that's kind of like an interesting thing about it. Is that like, 
there's been five years, but like cryogenesis being what it is, it's like this is like the extension of like an already sort of long series of misadventures that Dizzy's had to sort of endure, right? So it's like, yeah, he was in cryo for five years, but the last thing he remembers is running like a really sketchy job with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up ostensibly the next day. Obviously a lot of mm-hmm. time in the real world has passed, but not to somebody who's been in cryo, right? Mm-hmm. He wakes up the next day and then he's put into another extremely fucked up situation where he just sort of has to hit the ground running. So like right. that's sort of what he's dealing with, I think a little bit. Just the I feel ongoing like struggles, Dizzy's thing. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say that I feel like Dizzy maybe hasn't completely reckoned with that uh that aspect of his life. You know what I mean? The fact that like he lost five years of his life and I mean he's upset about tear. I feel like, you know, maybe he's put a lot of that uh that that, you know, sadness or that 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 like that grieving mm-hmm. into his his tear relationship. When he hasn't really like, like completely come to terms with the fact that he's been on ice for like five years and like everything's different and like you know his his life as he knew it is kind of like yeah it's a bit fucked. Even even like uh, the street in Cyberdale is totally essentially unrecognizable to him. Right? The twinkling it's ice cube. Like, yeah, the twinkling <laughs> is now ice the meat grinder. I mean, like that. It's like honestly, that's a great example. Though. That's it's your like, favorite bar, man. That's your favorite bar. I mean, the like same. you know, you're talking about as being thirty. Like that's like something that like everybody like kind of experiences. Like that's that's aging. But well, like tears thirty. He's aging it. He's aging in a in such a rapid way. It's yeah. like such a. Such like a microscopic view of like what that's like when you like don't understand things anymore that you used to understand, mm. or you're not in touch with things in the same way anymore, and it's just like you're lashing out at. I don't lash out at people in my real life, but like he's lashing out at people because it's such a such a you know exaggerated version of that experience. And the world has moved past him in a way that he yeah. Can't yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, do, yeah, do you yeah, really think exactly. do you really think it's moved past him? I mean, not entirely. Like, exactly like, five so like, years past. Things, things like, but you know things what I mean. Like things with Cybotron going on, like yeah. there's hope. You know what I mean. So like things, some things have moved past him. But like what Cybotron is talking about, it's like, so like, yeah, certain things have moved past him probably. But in that five years, also now there's new possibilities as well. Where it's like maybe this wouldn't have been possible to strive for back then. But I've been on ice for a while and like. People people didn't stop while I was on ice, and yeah. like now now there's somebody who's got this vision, and it's like that's that's pretty cool. That's an interesting way to read it. I have not explicitly thought about you know the world passing dizzy by as being kind of like a theme of the uh, the show at all. And well, I caught those vibes as soon as we showed up heading to the meat grinder, and it was like oh like the way he's dressed is totally out of date, and uh, it's like even that like that's enough to single someone out in a way that's like hey you're not. You're now no longer part of this society as much yeah. as you used to be. If this is a place you used to frequent and everyone around here now is dressed completely different than you and everyone's looking at us like we're the different people, then that's, uh, I mean, that's, that, that's, that, that well, alone is They're not, they're not like looking at you. You look, you looked yeah, cool. You I was, I mean, obviously. Yeah, you got that sick, sick we got that. <laughs> neon brown. <laughs> brown, brown, kind of gray, kind of green. I don't know why green. that's, you guys get really hung up on this. It's not that hard to grapple with the fact it's that something is almost black, but. Kind of greenish dark brown, brown. I, like the darkest brown. I don't green understand you why you can't just describe things simply. I guess is my problem. 
Well, because uh, describing things simply, why did your jumpsuit are, have to be neon gray? Why does your jacket neon have gray to be was just a funny kind of black? You can't actually be neon gray. That's a funny thing. It's like kind of black, but kind of brown. I hate fun. I want to go on the record right now and say that. Uh, I actually started this podcast because I hate having fun and I want to attempt to kill fun. Uh, if I can, if I can, I would love to. It's like uh, the fun out of the world. Is, is it like this guy would be like an anime or something where you got to kill fun at the kill end, right? Fun. Destroy fun. Do you know what Dizzy's ultimate end point of this character arc is? You know what I mean? Do you do you have a do you have a goal that Dizzy's working towards, or do you have like a and a moment of reckoning that that you're working towards as the PC of Dizzy. And and to be clear too, just like that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where it's actually going to end up, but that's like what what's driving their character's behavior at the moment. Is that correct? Like having the idea in your mind of what the ultimate goal is, 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 is used as a method for why someone is behaving a certain way. It's not necessarily going to happen in the actual story, right? Like the ultimate goals aren't necessarily what, what will play out in the story? That's a that's a fair question, I guess. It's like it's like your idea of what's going to happen in a character arc. Is that necessarily going to be what transpires? This is it's like the driving I, force. I think that's that, right? maybe yeah, maybe. I think that one of the fun of uh, uh, of playing RPGs is that you don't ever really know. I guess. Well, I think that's yeah. that's true for life, and I mean, that's like, true for every good story. Is like yeah, like things don't play out the way you'd expect them to, and that's like yeah. ideal, right? I mean, with with Dizzy specifically, like he probably. The way I look at it, he probably didn't expect to make it this far even. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, the world that he's living in, like, he's already sort of past his expiration date in a lot of ways. Well, I wonder what and that's like, going to do to this. I, as a player of the character, am like, I feel like, even though I'm saying things, I'm like, oh, I just learned that about the character I'm mm. playing. You know what I mean? Like, things feel true that, that sounds I like say, excellent RP. You know, what I, I was, was going to say, and that is the beauty of RPGs and of course the beauty of improv is that you it's discovery right mm-hmm. it's like it's like you get into kind it's of a character yeah you get into like a flow state over you you're just saying things you're just doing things you're just reacting and you're learning things about the character you're playing as you're playing the character which is really really fun and it's just like it's it's so cool and it's so generative and i think that like for me at least that's what keeps me coming back to like RPGs it keeps me coming back to improv comedy it's just like it's just that uh, amazing uh, space of, of creativity and generation that you get and that you just don't get yeah. in other kinds And you get to spawn of, uh, it yourself, too. Creativity. Like, yeah. But you, you discover it. You discover it. You discover something that you're doing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's weird. You're like, you're, you're, you get to draw lines after the fact as opposed to like having to draw the lines before yeah. the fact. You know what I mean? Like so create this big plot. The, the plot is creating itself as it, as it comes out, okay. which is way more fun. Yeah. I, so in, in terms of like end game, like what my goals are for his character arc, I wouldn't say that it's clearly defined because of those things. And I think that's like inherently like in his character description that, you know, He's just flying off the rails all the time. It's like a little bit fatalistic. It's a little bit deterministic. Does, does he ever want to just like <laughs> settle down and have things chill out a bit? I don't think that he ever thought that Dizzy was a possibility. Junior? I don't think Dizzy he, Junior? I don't think he ever thought it was a possibility. But it clearly is. is. Well, is it really? Is it? I don't know, know, but his brain's We'll find out, you know? He's he's literally, like, he's he's constantly facing these strange existential crises. Crises? Crises. I think the bigger question is, like, if he found out that was, like, a possibility, could he even, like, accept that at this point? You know Mm. what I mean? That's sort of more, like, the arc. I don't know. Yeah. I'd say that Test's character arc is definitely going to be a lot more predictable and straightforward than Dizzy's in the sense that it is pretty well-defined, 
I mean, mainly because he just doesn't have as much like to work with. You know, he's coming out of like a whole childhood and everything lost. You know, he's not like. I mean, there's definitely like the the portion where he wants to go be a normal person and like live a life, but like the world hasn't really presented that option that well. I think the main thing he wants to do is like actually get justice and uh, and like take down Genetic Corp and like get justice for everyone, like liberate everyone and be the person to do that. He wants to be like, I'm the one who made it out. I want to make so this happen. I want to change the so world for everyone so no one has to go through this. So it is kind of, it's kind of that superhero arc. It is. It really is. Like that, that is like the, the reason he latched onto Electro Man so much was because he like saw that as the person who can make a big change. It's like everyone knows him for that. And he's like the person that people can look to for the answers and the resolutions on things that are going wrong. I got to say, Wait, do you, do you have like a timely? Yeah, well, point? I have a question. Yeah, yeah. Just okay. that, like that's. You <laughs> Sounds know, so disappointed. Oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> I just mean ostensibly that's like test goals, right? But is yeah. there any part of like test the character who's like enticed by the underworld things that he's seen, given that like mm. he was purpose bred to be like weapon like, mm. and that he's and he's like well suited to it, even though like it's not what internally he wants, but like is there some part of him that finds it like you know, attractive. So, and adding on to that, mm. I would say that like, that is a question I've had. I know it's funny and it works with the story, but like we, we joke about Tess being like very like socially knowledgeable all the time. Yeah. Like, like how do you, how do you, how do you reckon with that? Is, is it just like a, I mean, it's a comedy podcast. Is yeah. it just funny? And it is funny. Yeah. That test is like very funny. is like have went from being like a, a brainwash, yeah, to being like just kind of this like funny little sidekick guy, and not just funny. He's got some serious moments, of course. But I think you understand what I'm saying. I do understand what you're saying. I think I think it's sort of more just testament to the fact that that the uh, as good as the brainwashing everything is, like test at its core is going to be like a person, you know. And that that is like sort of the the arc is him realizing himself as a person and not just the brainwash thing. So it's like that aspect hinders him from doing a number of things. But in the end, at the end of the day, he still is a person that, that has a set of emotions and a set of thoughts and, and, and a, a natural personality that he just inherently falls back on. There is some, some sort of like, obviously there has to be some sort of distinguishing factor between test and uh, sort of the other test subjects that were at this place that, that not only allowed him to be the, the ultimate weapon, but I, I want to, take that further and say that it also prevented him maybe from getting there quickly that maybe t- took a lot of work and that that amount of work was uh because he's got some sort of resilience to everything they did there to him you know i i really like that i think it's got like a, a nice inherent optimism that's yeah. it's a really nice little storyline yeah 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 it's like i mean like at the end of the day it's like you don't want it i mean there's probably moments where I I wish I did play more into like the the naive um, like test subject that just doesn't know anything. There's definitely moments where I should have done that differently. It's it, it's hard to do sometimes where it's like because it just feels like it will drag things down in certain moments. So it's like you have to play around it sometimes, and other times it works good and it makes a lot of sense. Can I just say, I uh, I challenge you. I challenge all our peers. To like lean into that stuff, right? So For if sure. you're like, if you're worried that you're gonna, it's gonna be challenging. Yeah, or if you're gonna hamper the plot at the expense of uh, character development, I actually don't think that's a bad thing. I mm. think that uh, honoring uh, who your character is is always really interesting in a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, going forward, I just I challenge you to uh, feel free to uh, mm-hmm. you know 
interrupt the plot or whatever well, in, I, in service of your character. I feel like, and I feel like, I, ha- I mean, like a, a prime example of a moment that happened, like in the last episode, was when uh, we're talking to Cybotron. And Cybertron is just pitched Dizzy like, hey, I need you as a hacker on this. And then Tess is like, oh, that sucks. Dizzy can't hack. <laughs> you know, like that's someone yeah. where it's like, you know, uh, you would have hopefully the social wherewithal to be like, OK, like we need this person on our side. We're not going to like do something to spoil it. And, and yeah. Tess doesn't even like make the connection. It's like, oh, this is going to spoil the relationship potentially. I'll just say, you know, like it's, it's like I feel like I like throwing those moments in. But I also like working test towards being a f- like a functioning person and not just the brainwashed lizard brain, you know? I, I don't think those two things are uh, mutually exclusive. For sure. And I think, uh, you you know, like the way you played it so far is it's been really good. And I, you know, keep leaning into it, I guess. Yeah. I think it's, it's fun to have those moments. And it, it's it's fun when those moments are also consistent, right? Because you get like mm-hmm. a real sense of test personality. It's like, oh, he's the guy that does this. You know what I mean? I think one thing that, and, and this is sort of just coming to me now, but right now the goals that I have defined for test in terms of like taking down Genicorp, all this stuff, those are very like human goals. And maybe he's not necessarily ready to be on those yet. So what, what are his lizard goals? This, and no, but like, no, but like what, Find a warm but, but, rock. No, no. I know you're making a joke of it right now, but, but think about it like this. Think about it like this. Think about it like this. What would the goals be of someone who just came out of, of being brainwashed and stuff? Like what would their immediate goals be? And I, I don't think I've really addressed that yet of like, what, what are, what is immediate goals in terms of like, I think like maybe it would just be like interact with the world more, like do more stuff, like find out what is available. And I think that that was like sort of coming to light when we went into the meat grinder and he was totally taken by everything going on around him and like distracted by it. He's like, holy crap, like there's dancing and like all this crazy stuff, the sex boss, like all this stuff that's like crazy. I think a part of that too is that like that question has like not fully, but partially at least like been answered for him by the fact that he's been like dragged into this experience. Mm-hmm. So like it's partially addressed because he doesn't honestly have that much time to like think about it. Mm-hmm. Like what would you do? Well, you don't really have time to think about it because yeah, you're like exactly. fighting frogs and shit. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I, I think that though it would have been a completely legitimate way to play the character as like, like, whoa, oh my God, like, what is this? Like the total naive thing. I think it would have very much changed the flavor of the show, yeah. but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, right? I think it's yeah. uh, it's fun to honor characters. I think, uh, you know, Test clearly is a very adaptable person and yeah. he, he's not, you know, thrown off by uh, like new experiences, but like it would have been just fine to be like completely naive. You know what I mean? Well, I think yeah. like, like going, like, I don't think... This comes back to my point. I don't think the characters should like sacrifice character development uh, for for plot development. I don't think like those things are. Uh, I, I I think it's important for character development to happen. I think it's important to honor your character's totally you know decisions. I guess the the way I've been playing Tess is that he is of like somewhat. He's a person that that would have been of somewhat high intelligence and char- like charisma, but but because of his situation obviously it prevents him from behaving in a way like that but he's picking up on things i mean and maybe more so than he should be like it, it, yeah. like you know what i mean sometimes like this but so let's say tess grows up in some waspy family in the suburbs of the big gulp yeah. what do you think tess would be doing today if he didn't get you know kidnapped or whatever happened to him as a baby and turn into a test subject or i feel like he might have been child. like i could see him end up being like someone who has like uh sort of a hatred for like the systems that be and and ends up joining some sort of revolt or underground uh 
revolution think, type so you thing. Think, you think seek that out. Yeah, test I think that is, is inherently kind of, revolutionary. Yeah, I think, and then I think that's like sort of the the benefit is he's. If he, I didn't expect that. It, it, I mean, that I didn't necessarily ponder that until you brought it up. But yeah, I didn't really ever consider that. I think that is that would be kind of. Uh, He's got some like germ yeah. in his soul of like just like revolutionary germ. Yeah, he, and he that's why the, the genetic yeah. experiments didn't fully, fully. Well, that's why they, they struggled. Maybe they didn't take that into account. You know, yeah. like they yeah. didn't. It's gonna be like that There's anime moment germ. at the end. It's like yeah. like what they didn't take into account was the like fundamental rebelliousness yeah. of human nature that makes humans always so strong. You know what I mean? Well, the, the nature of these, the nature of the ex- of an experiment in general is to try and learn something new. And they're obviously cons- not considering a number of different variables before they're, and like they're doing maybe these things, Maybe right? they were able to breed it out and they found out that it was like an unsuccessful Oh, we, well, there's a plan for all, all of that. <laughs> this is there's getting a little too heady for me. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm confused. <laughs> Let's move on uh, just to kind of wrap things up. Yeah. Um, you, guys got a, you guys got a favorite moment so far in this show. <laughs> like the whole show so far i know mine like what is sure. your favorite yeah, moment yeah sure. so far up till now oh my god what's yours you said you know yours yeah i know mine like e- easily my favorite moment and it was more so like listening not necessarily playing it out like my my favorite moments are always different from like when we're playing compared to when i'm listening back and doing the editing but the one that that like when I listened back to it, I was like, holy shit was, and this is not to be self-indulgent, but between Tess and Magulio, when, when Magulio first revealed to Tess that she was one of the ones doing the, like the test on, on them. And then he like hugs her and like, they have that moment with the sad music in their mouth. It was like crazy. It was like, I I mean, this yeah. sounds super, super like I'm stroking my own ego, but like it was really, really, uh, surprisingly emotional you it know was what? Like the first time that we turned from comedy to straight up like drama in a way that felt like whoa it hit hard you know, i was very juxtaposed to everything we've been doing so far i thought it was a great emotional moment mm-hmm. and uh big respect to you for being a great sound editor i thought the music really uh hit I, didn't, hard. I didn't overdo hit hard. it i didn't overdo it with like just like sad he's piano. Amazing. he's the best <laughs> music guy you got music you need you call Craig? No. Like, I know everything that's going to happen, but then when I hear it back and, like, the music it drops, is, what, it's like, what? There is something this to be is said, happening? There is something to be said about, <laughs> there is something to be said about, like, the experience of listening it back as opposed <laughs> to... <laughs> I love that. I can't believe it's happening. <laughs> who who could have seen it coming? <laughs> but... There is something to be said. There is something to be said about like listening to it back is a totally different experience than uh, than uh, than like playing it out. Because like yeah, like there's been times where we played, we've played episodes before where we've been like, uh, I don't know how that episode felt. You know, it felt like it was gonna be shit. And we listened to the episode like, fucking best episode yet, boys. That was sweet. You know, it happens all the time. <laughs> fucking best episode yet, boys. Sweet. <laughs> Example is episode Amazing. 12. Episode 12. We were like so worried that being in the apartment the whole time was going to be shit. But then like listening back to the episode, we were like, oh, this is actually a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, if you liked episode 12 the most, tweet at us. Hashtag. Episode 12 for the win. <laughs> hashtag. For the win. Episode 12. FT, fuck the don't you say, yeah, yeah, fuck the world. What's your, so what's your favorite moment? You had a chance to think about it. What's, what is it? What's your favorite oh, moment? Man, I have... Like, I have a lot of moments that I really enjoyed. Like, there's obviously everything that happened. Did you like the moment when you got unfrozen? 
<laughs> we didn't really I was very uncomfortable. Did you like the moment when you did stims with the cyborg nurse? Or receptionist cool moment. I think you know I think what like you know. He was always a nurse in my head. Until I peek behind the screen too. He was the nurse. Uh, he's a nurse. He, you know what? His name it was never disclosed in the show. His name I was just gonna call him Nurse. Like nurse that was his board. name. He's call him Nurse. Yeah, cool. I mean, nurse like, cyborg. There's like I feel like That's there's sweet. a few like really critical. It's good, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about, Craig? <laughs> what do you want Lee has to say about his favorite moment? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was was yeah? You know what? I was I was doing a bit. All right, I, I was doing a bit, and you know what? And then I forgot I was doing a bit. What's your favorite moment? Um, when you first met Test Subject Four or Five G. I don't think that was my favorite. No, what, just, what was your favorite moment? Stop I had a lot guessing. of favorite moments. <laughs> I'm a, a your guesses are bad right now. Stop. We heard about why you're a good guesser, just <laughs> bad guesses right now. <laughs> I'm a really good guesser, man. Um, What's the favorite moment? Like going back a while, relationship therapy with uh, Piotr. Oh, that's really moments. That, that early was moments. funny. But also, then, like talking about episode 12, I thought like everything that happened in episode 12 with. Like D, the D, crazy D was yeah. really funny. I thought that was really good. I liked the the Bert and Ernie diversion. I had a lot Dude, of fun with Bert and Ernie. I, I, would, I would say from a, lot of fun from a comedic play, standpoint, which kind of is kind of like a cheap answer because it yeah. wasn't like us playing our actual. But no, 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 no. I think that's that. entirely fair to say from a comedic standpoint. The Bert and Ernie was like when I listened back to that, I was trying to edit it and I was in tears laughing at that. <laughs> it was. Literally, the, like the, the dialogue you guys had, uh, just knowing that it was fully improvised, no one had planned to do that. Like, and you guys, and well, I mean, I don't know if you planned to, Ben planned to do it or not, but Lee and then Lee jumping on board, dude, it was funny when it was happening. And listening back to it, I was like, man, this is, it just killed me. It just, just with the context, it was hilarious. So I gotta say, that comedic moment, definitely agree with that. I'll say another favorite moment of mine is not like a specific moment, but like anytime that somebody starts to describe something <laughs> or talk about a situation and then they can't like mentally finish the thought and it just the sentence ends. <laughs> That's a Disney thing. What? dunks on them. Where it's Wait, like, was, does he does that all the time? Even, I don't even know what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, he knows what yeah, I'm talking about. Exactly right. Wait, yeah, I have no idea. Like, I'm going to try and make like a... Like an allegory or something like yeah. that, and then I just don't know the second That's a dizzy part thing, of it. For sure. <laughs> I'm That's just a like, thing for sure. oh shit! Like I think I said my hands were as dry as a desert, and then just the end <laughs> yeah. of it, like my hands are as dry as a desert, and it wasn't like a desert. Yeah, like, it, rose, it sounded like you were just setting it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It no, was, it was exactly. as dry as a, a, a That's exactly <laughs> a windstorm in the desert. No, it's just a desert period. That's, and that's you've good. done that, and you've done that, yeah. and we've all done it. Uh, cyber shirts and pants was another <laughs> shirts or coats and That's pants. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what you're saying. Okay. What's your favorite moment, Ben? <laughs> Just when when the idiocy of everybody is revealed yeah, by improvisation. Exactly. Like I mean, the improv talent like falls off very it, suddenly. Yeah. So it's like, oh, can't go farther than that. Yeah. It's, it's but it's also partly is is you know some of those moments. The two you mentioned were like me putting you on the spot. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, which, which is, is fun. Is, it's fun for me. I think it's really funny. So what's your favorite moment then? Oh, man. I, you know, moment, I, I ask man. you. I hadn't actually considered it myself, because um, this is this is different. You're not neither the player character. So, like, what was your favorite moment to just observe while we were playing? You know what? Um, my favorite moment to uh, play 
I think, or just to maybe even just to listen back to. I'm not even sure. I can't even like really distinguish them now. You know, it's like it's all yeah. kind of blurred together. But uh, I don't know if I had a favorite moment to observe, but I definitely had a favorite moment to listen back to, yeah. and that was episode one, where where Dizzy's trying to kill. <laughs> The doctor, and it's yeah. like it's like it's just so funny, and you know that was just that was the beauty of like dice rolls. It was like yes. you're you're in this like kind of like epic battle yeah. with uh with Illuminasty, and then Dizzy's Dizzy off to the side, the just like yeah, absolutely like terrible. Doctor. And it's because he yeah he took too many stims. He was just like he was really shaky, and he, he just could not kill this doctor. And I thought it was just like a, a really funny, if you uh, beautiful moment of an RPG yeah. where it's just like the dice rolls just get included really nicely into the narrative, and it was just really funny and satisfying. It was funny that it happened it. on the first episode because too like when we were recording the first episode, it was almost like a an oh shit moment for us. We're like, oh, we kind of need these rules to go good for us right now because we're doing the first episode. We want things to go smoothly. <laughs> like really, at the moment, it felt kind of like it was hindering our ability to play the game. But it's like on listening back, it just added totally comedic value. And then it happened again too with, with Husky Cornwall. <laughs> he starts firing blindly multiple times. Oh, yeah. He couldn't hit shit for so long. <laughs> and finally, he fired a big security him. guard too at, uh, at Frog Corp. He couldn't hit anything. I'll, yeah. fire, I'll fire at anything. It's like for the first five is, or five episodes you couldn't uh, you were not a Great with a gun. Let's say that. I, I don't think he's fired a gun since those episodes, though. Oh, no, no he did. He fired a gun against... He blasted Robo yeah. for like eight damage. Oh, yeah, I'm shit. sorry. Oh. You know what? That's my bad. Yeah. Between those two points, not a lot. But yeah, he went from being terrible to being oh, a really yeah. great shot. Moderate. Right. After, after getting stimmed out again. So I guess he worked up a tolerance or something. I don't know. I guess we're going to call it there. Wow, great point. <laughs> great. I guess, I guess that's it for the podcast. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>